the geek shall inherit the earth. Tell me about how you how you got into acting because obviously most people will know you as, as Jay's dad from the Inbetweeners, but yeah. obviously you've done a lot of other work. How did you get into into acting? Um, well, I, I originally grew up in a place called Stevenage in Hertfordshire, and um, I had no desire to be an actor or anything like that um, right up until the age of about nineteen. I mean, I. I hadn't even really seen a play until 1984 um, when I was, um, how old would, would I have been then? So I would have been, sorry, uh, 21. Okay. I think, that was, I think that was the first play I ever saw when I was 21 years old. And um, before that, we'd been, my dad was American. So we went back and forth to America um, we eventually settled down in England in um, in Stevenage, and then I got I got really into punk rock music. So I used to go to London. Yeah, I used to go to London to see a lot of punk rock bands. So in like 1978, I saw Generation X supporting Adam and the Ants. You know, nice. Uh, yeah, that was before that. That was before Adam and Adam and sold out. Really, um, started doing Puss in Boots and all that stuff. <laughs> But um, I actually saw him year before last at the um, at the uh, Roundhouse. He was fantastic, really good. Had this fantastic uh, female drummer as well. Really, this shock, shock of blonde hair. Yeah. No. Anyway, so I had I had quite a few mates at the time who were heavily into music, and and I just kept doing all these dead end jobs, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and then I thought I'll just go back. Well, I did. Actually, the first job I did was at the Wine Society in Stevenage, and I would have become a master of wines. But uh, I, I left the um, I left the job because I wanted to dye my hair peroxide so I could be a punk. So I say I would have loved to see a picture of you. Did you did you actually dye it peroxide? Oh, nice. I think I've got I think I've got one somewhere of me um, me looking like that. But um, so then. I got this job in Hitchin in Hertfordshire, like working in a warehouse. And then I eventually left there and I went to one of those skill centres. And, um, well, first of all, I was on the bricklaying course. I got chucked off that because I was crap. And I went, I went to the woodworking course. And the guy there said to me, pulled me aside. He said, I didn't find this. It found me. He said, uh, you've got two left hands. You, you need to find something that you're good at. So I'll never forget that. So I thought the only thing I was ever any good at was English. And I literally left school with two O-levels, you know, one of which was English, the other one was maths. So I went back to Stevenage College and um, thought I'd do A-levels and try and get some more O-levels as well. Yeah. And then in the first year, I was doing an A-level language literature combined. 
And in the first year, we watched this play by Harold Pinter called The Caretaker. And we were watching it on a video, and it had Jonathan Price, um, Warren Mitchell, who played Alf Garnett, and um, Kenneth Cranham. So Jonathan Price was Mick, um, Warren Mitchell was Davis the Tramp, and um, and Kenneth Cranham was Aston, the kind of crazy one. I can imagine, I can imagine Warren made quite a good-looking Tramp. Yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant production. And while this was playing, I sat there, and suddenly this little light went on, and I went, that's what I want to do for a living. Nice. I mean, it was, it was as weird as that. Just no one in my family... Huh? You sat there and that was it. It's just... Yeah. No one in my family was anything to do with showbiz. Um, I mean, it's, it's, to be honest, it still feels a bit weird to me now. that I just... I, I think it was partly because I didn't have any idea of what else to do. And I was looking for things to do. And it was also the fact that I'd always loved um, films and, you know, always used to watch comedy on TV and stuff. So, um, so I decided that that's what I was going to do. So I, I found the local um, Amdram theatre company yeah. called the Lytton Players. And we did, um, we did a play called Habeas Corpus by Alan Bennett. And I was working with a, an actor there who'd been to East 15 called Steve Weston. And he was very good. And there was another actor in it called Micah Hearn, who went on to be, uh, to be quite a good actor. And, uh, and then I did, then I, I got a part with the North Arts Youth Theatre playing Eddie Carbone in The View from the Bridge. I think I must have been, how old was I at this time? Um, I don't know, 19, 20, something like that. And um, so, I, you know, I was, in, I was in plays before I ever saw a play, I think. And then I, then I did View from the Bridge and, uh, and I got the Actor of the Year Award from the, um, from the local paper in Stevenage. And, uh, and I just thought, fucking hell, I'm actually really good at this. So then I started auditioning for drama schools. I, I auditioned at Central, but I wasn't properly prepared for that one. And then, um, and then I auditioned for Rose Bruford and I got into Rose Bruford. Oh, the other, the other play that I, that I was in was a play at the Queen Mother Theatre in Hitchin. And the guy who ran that was a guy called John Gardner, who'd been to Rose Bruford. So he helped me with, um, with my audition speech. And, um, and, and I got in. Can you remember what was in your audition speech? Uh, yeah, he, it was a play that he wrote. Um, about nicking uh, a wallet from someone. So it was all about two weeks ago, I drew a layer of leather containing 20 quid. You know, it was all like that. Yeah. And then I do Shakespeare and I did Iago from Othello. The oh, three lovely. great ones of the city. Um, but I don't think I got in because of the Shakespeare. I think I got in because of the, um, the, the uh, um, you know, um, modern piece. And also I name dropped John Gardner and, uh, and the voice teacher at Rose Bruford really loved him when he was at Rose Bruford. So, I, to be honest, I think I got in through sheer nepotism. Yeah, I wasn't probably. very good. I, I was constantly being threatened with being chucked out. But we, we had a family tragedy just before I went to Rose Bruford. One of my brothers had died, and it was very sad. He died of um, epilepsy. And um, so two months before... I was due to go to drama school. That happened, and I was in a. Oh, no. I wasn't in a good place when I first went there. Uh, no, so and obviously, you know, they probably got that first impression, not realizing 
what you were going through and just yeah. sort of that was that that was just your overall attitude but obviously it, it worked out well because you obviously moved on from there didn't you yeah it worked out well yeah i mean it took a while because i left so i was quite old when i went i was 22 when i went and um and the first play i ever saw was saved at the royal court and gary oldman was in it oh. and um and i found out that gary oldman went to our drama school uh, in fact, we used to go in the library at drama school and watch all these old videos uh, of, you know, all these brilliant films, and one of which was The Firm by Alan Clark. So we sat there and watched it, and this guy goes, he went to, he went to Rose Bruford. I went, what, this bloke playing um, Bexy? I know, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was, um, it was Alan Clark's Made in Britain. No, it wasn't, sorry. It was Mike Lee's Mean Time. That's what it was. Okay. Gary Oldman and Tim Rothman. And then subsequently I saw the firm in another thing. But when I saw him in the Mike Lee film, I thought that's the kind of actor I want to be. I just thought he was brilliant. Gary and, Oldman uh, is went, fantastic anyway, isn't he? He's just... Yeah. Then he went on to play Sid and Nancy and, you know, he's done... I mean, I used to watch his career avidly. So I left drama school at 25, having not been the most popular student there. <laughs> I couldn't get an agent. I couldn't get a job. Um, it was a fucking struggle. <laughs> and eventually I got a part in the bill. Uh, I went with this agent called Sheila Ball. It was a right fucking Nazi. Uh, but I'd, I then got a job in the bill. And um, and then from that, I got a job on London's Burning. And then my part got cut. And then I knew the director through my then girlfriend. So he then gave me a bigger part. Uh, and then I just built my way up. And then I met this girl who was a teacher in, um, in the early 90s. And she was going, um, oh, I forgot the most important bit. I then got a, a film with Michael Winner when I was 28 called Dirty Weekend. And I got shouted at for about three hours. And I thought, I, you know, I just thought this fucking acting lark is just, very very difficult it's not what you thought it was going to be well I just thought it was too hard and I didn't like people shouting at me and I thought I was shit as well you know I mean to be honest I think I probably was shit when I first you know because I drama school hadn't done much for my confidence and you know I was a bit wooden on in in front of the camera because I you know I didn't really know what I was doing because all the drama school training was geared towards theatre you know yeah and I used to do lots of pub theatre Anyway, I met this girl who was a teacher and she went, you know, David, you need a second string to fall back on. You know, this acting thing may not work out. So I then did a PGCE at Central, a teaching thing. Okay. And while, I was, while I was there, I got a couple of jobs. One was Our Friends in the North and one was EastEnders. I then got six episodes of EastEnders and it was right after I left. So then things started getting a bit better and, I, and then I did this football hooligan film called ID, which was brilliant, where we we got to go around going, I shed well. So after I left that teaching course, I started getting some decent work. And then um, then I went up for the office, and I was originally up for a part, um, the part of Finchie. And I got this shitty little part in the warehouse. And I met Ricky Gervais at the audition, and he just had this terrible chat show on, um, but he had Michael Winner on it. And I saw his chat show and I went, what did you make of Michael Winner? He said, yeah, he's interesting, isn't he? 
I said, I, I worked with him and got shouted at three hours. He's a twat. And Ricky Gervais <laughs> really liked me because I was honest. So I got the part in the office. Little, you know, I had no fucking idea what a, a monumental thing that was going to be. And then, um, and I spent all my time moaning that my part wasn't big enough. And um, despite the fact I didn't think I was very good. And then anyway, when that became a big thing, I then started getting a bit of money from the royalties and I started getting a bit more confidence, you know, and in between yeah. all this, I'm doing lots of other work and doing, you know, other work to make ends meet. But I got some decent money for that and I was doing commercials. And then on the back of the office, I got an audition for this thing called Baggy Trousers. And I went along for Baggy Trousers, you know, after the madness on Baggy Trousers. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, this is quite good. And then I did an audition and they paired us up, you know, as parents of these kids. I knew I knew the thing was going to be about kids. And then yeah. I got paired up and I thought, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to play someone's dad. No. Fucking boring, you know. So I didn't hear anything more about it. You know, I was never someone who had their ear to the grindstone. I just... You know, in those days, I was a bit crazy. So if I wasn't acting, I'd go out and, you know, just enjoy myself with friends and stuff. <laughs> enjoy life with your mates as you can. Yeah, you know, go to football and all that shit. Anyway, so I didn't pay any attention to what happened to the pilot. And then I got called back in. And it was no longer called Baggy Trousers. It was called The Inbetweeners. And, um, and I went for an audition. Then I got recalled to meet the producers. And I looked around and I was like, oh, this is a bit serious. Here are all these people. And um, and then they went, oh, I really loved you in the office. So I was like, oh, thanks. You know, that's nice. And, you know, and I didn't think anything more of it. I no. didn't really think, I'll be really honest with you, Richard. I was a fucking dozy git in my 30s. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know my ass from my elbow. You know, and I, I used to say stupid things. And anyway, long story short, I got this part. And I read the script and I thought, uh, it's another boring, boring job, you know, another boring TV job where I'm just required to do my usual kind yeah. of 20 acting. Anyway, I, I filmed, the first scene we filmed was in the caravan, you know, that shitty scene in the caravan. Oh, do you know what? I was going to say that because that is my favourite episode, that one. That is absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's comedy gold. Well, that, well, the first bit we filmed was the bit in the caravan. And I suddenly, I don't know what happened, but I suddenly started thinking, actually, this might be a bit better than I'm, <laughs> I'm giving it credit for. And then, um, and then I really enjoyed that day filming. You know, I think we were supposed to be in Canberra Sands. I can't actually remember where the hell it was we filmed it. But it was a funny scene, and I, I kind of got on with the lads quite well. And then we did another, and apparently, I didn't know this, but they were all in awe of me because I'd been in the office. It was their favourite show. Nice. And I had no, I had no fucking idea about this at all. Um, anyway, long story short, we then did the bit, the um, toilets bit, you know, of the caravan club. And it was a really cold day, and um, and I was really knackered. I don't think I'd slept very well, and I had to drive myself to the. Um, you've only asked about my bloody. Um, no, no, honestly, no. This is brilliant. So I got. So we turned up. I think we were filming somewhere around Highbury Way or, or Stoke Newington, somewhere like that. And it was these freezing cold toilets. 
the kids were fucking around and Damon Beasley said to me, David, can you teach them how to act? Their concentration's terrible. So I was like, come on, lads, we've got to focus. I was like their acting coach. Uh, anyway, so we did that scene in the toilets and I was so cold on the way home on the Holloway Road. I, just, I nodded off for a few seconds at the wheel. I think Arsenal, all the Arsenal fans were just coming out as well. And I literally nodded off and I ploughed into the back of this van. Oh. Um, these four burly geezers got out. And I thought, <laughs> and the the, um, the bumper had gone over the tow bar. And I thought, I'm going to get my fucking head kicked in. So one of them came, I went, I'm really sorry. I was distracted by this fucking football fan doing a wanker sign. He went, oh, don't worry. So all four of them picked the car up <laughs> off, off the tow bar. And I was like, oh my God. So I made a mental note then. I was never going to drive myself to set ever again. And I told my, I told my then agent what had happened. And the in-betweeners lot were mortified. I think they were worried I was going to make a complaint or something. And in fact, on the uh, 10th anniversary show, I actually told Jimmy Carr that story. You know what? I was going to say, uh, I watched that and I saw you saying that, telling that story yeah, to Jimmy Carr on that as well. Was that, was that actually on it? Yeah. I can't remember whether they put it in or not. Yeah, no, but, they did. Uh, <laughs> and he went, were you all right? <laughs> um, anyway, long story short, uh, the, the in-betweeners then became a phenomenon. Yes. So this dozy prick who left drama school, not knowing his ass from his elbow, <coughs> sort of, you know, not thinking I wasn't very good, but yet having this massive ego about the parts. I then started getting lucky, you know, and... Um, and getting all these comedy roles. So after the in-betweeners, I then got lots and lots of other comedy stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I haven't done as well as I should have done because I was with two of the top agents and I left them um, for was reasons. That, was that your choice or just, you just... I was, I was an idiot. I didn't really, <coughs> you know, I was with the same agent for 15 years and then I went to Curtis Brown. And because... I had only had three auditions in nine months. I got panicked and I went back to my old agent. Then I was with United Agents and I started doing really good work. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I was on this thing called, um, I was on the spin-off series to Being Human and it was called Becoming Human. And I broke out in shingles across my face. Oh, no. And I got taken off the job. Yeah, so... I think that put me into a bit of a depression and I yeah. ended up having an argument with my agent. Not even about acting. She wanted to be my writing agent and I already had a possibility at another agency. Yeah. I fell out with her like a fucking idiot. I mean, you know, I really shot myself in the foot doing that. Uh, and then I spent a few years, you know, not really doing very much. Uh, but then I went to America and I... You know, got work in America and yeah. all that stuff. So, how did you find it? How did you find it in America compared to to doing work over here? Is it well, like? Is it what everyone imagines it being? Sort of gargantuan and everything is so OTT over there. Well, I think the the auditioning process is much harder. Yeah. There are more people going up for the auditions, and and it's much tougher. And the jobs that I've got over there have largely been from self tapes. Um, and I've I've worked over there about four times now. Uh, one of one of the uh, jobs I did where I was in about four episodes was a straight offer. I just got offered the job. Nice. Didn't even have to audition for it then. 
No, it was in a thing called Frontier. I just got the, I just got offered the part. And then another comedy thing called You're the Worst, I sent in the self-tape, which they loved. Um, but it's, I think it's tougher over there. I think they take the work a lot more seriously. I think they will fire you if they don't think you're up to it. Yeah. And I, I think it's getting a bit more like that over here. But I, I loved working over there. I, you know, it's like, it's like the Olympics of acting, isn't it? Uh, yeah. LA. Um, and I worked and the jobs that I did, I filmed in Canada and, um, and LA as well. So I've been to Canada quite a few times, uh, to Toronto and then to, um, Newfoundland. So it's been, it's been really good. Uh, you know, that side of things working in the States has been great. I went to Philadelphia as well the year before last. I did a film called, um, a call to spy, which is just about to get released in this country. Nice. Yeah. So, how- so that's really a potted history of my, that, that's the highlights of my career. Really. You kind of gone, you kind of gone, I guess, from, from not knowing what you wanted to do to sort of finding your feet in, in acting and, and sort of, spreading your wings, I guess, going out to different things. And, and obviously, you did Dead Air as well, which I've got the Blu-ray kicking around somewhere downstairs. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. I love it. I love, and I said to you, I said to you, Jeff and Pete in Reading, absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it's that- funny that. I mean, because it's only a short film, I didn't really want to do it to start with. And Jeff kept nagging me through James Hamer Morton, who I'd worked with on the Fitzroy. Yeah. He kept saying, you know, Jeff really wants you to do it. And I was like, oh, really moany. And then we, and then, you know, it was low budget as well. Like yeah. these things always are. And then I went out to wherever it, I can't even remember where it was now, where we um, filmed in the aircraft hangar. And then, I, you know, I'm a miserable git sometimes. Not, not to other people, but just in my head. I just think, oh, I don't want to do that. And then when I get there, I'm always like, oh, brilliant. So it was a really good day's filming, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I think he's done a, a great job on it, Jeff, as well. Yeah, he has. He's done fantastic. It's such a good short film. That yeah. It, it, I mean, it's not supposed to be hilarious, but I find parts of it just just funny. I just yeah. find, I mean, I, I love Charlie all kitted up in, you know, looking yeah. at... Because when you look at a picture of Charlie, and then you look at her as as the critter type thing, it's like, well, that's some proper yeah. decent work on that, and then you've yeah, got yeah. the and it's all it's all proper effects, isn't it? It's not CGI; yeah. it's all physical effects, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he did it actually, because I wasn't there for those filming those bits. I was I was only there for um for my pilot bits. When, uh, when there was that bit where she puts the hand yeah. on on my chest, so I'm like. <laughs> But I, I, I enjoyed it. I like working with James as well. He's funny. We, we got on well on the Fitzroy. He was shooting some mad documentary when we were doing that. And he kept following me around with the camera and doing <laughs> stupid improvised bits for his film. It was weird. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I, think, I think Dead Air is one of the best shorts I've done, actually. I, I really enjoyed it. But I've done quite a few. I, I played a clown in one called Clowning Around, which... Um, he's like an alcoholic clown who gets who gets kicked out of the um, the magic, uh, not the magic circle, but you know the clowning industry. Yeah, they kick him out. But it's it's a really funny, well done movie as well. See, I'm gonna have to find that and see if I can get hold of that and uh, and watch that. 
I think I've got it here somewhere. I've only got one copy of it though on um, CD. Because I, I hate all these downloads now, you know. In the old days with CDs, you actually had it on. Oh, I love DVDs. Yeah. I love having a physical copy. Yeah. That's what I mean, DVDs, not CDs. Yeah, I, I know. I want physical copies of things as well. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't like having it on digital because you buy stuff and then like, oh, well, you, well, we'll give it to you on digital as well. And you just think, but I want to put it into a DVD player. I want to be able to, to see all yeah. the, the special bits, you know, all the bonus features and and all of that, which you don't get on my bookshelves, you know. Um, so yeah, but it's, um, <clears throat> I'm just about to film Britannia, that series set in Rome. Yeah. Uh, I'm now with, I'm now with a good agent again called Cam, Creative Artist Management. And, um, and uh, just before lockdown, I got about three different jobs. I, I got Ghosts, as a guest lead in Ghosts, okay. which the BBC comedy that's yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah. I think it's coming out this month. And then I did something called The Witchfinder with Tim Key. And then um then I got offered Britannia. Oh, I got offered Pennyworth, but I couldn't do it because it clashed with ghosts. Oh I was really fucking gutted about that. What was what were you uh, gonna be doing in Pennyworth? Playing as a colonel. No. Nice. Yeah. I can't remember what the what happens in the scene now, but yeah, I was really gutted. I didn't, you know, I was begging my agent to try and make it work. Yeah, yeah. Ghosts just said it's too much of a clash. Yeah, so I'm about to do Britannia, which I couldn't do because it got um, it got locked down. Um, but I'm doing it again from the 24th to the 30th of September, nice. and they've given they've given me more days. So I don't know whether my part's gotten bigger or it's just going to be harder to shoot because of um, social distancing. Where are you got to go for that? I don't know, actually. It's a good good question. Uh, I know the BBC Studios is up in Wembley, so I'm not sure if we're shooting it there or, yeah. or on location. I'm not certain, to be honest. Okay. But it's good to be in. My old mate yeah. Ben Gregg is directing it. He's done quite a few comedy things. So, nice. um, yeah, so all good. All good. 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 How did you... I mean, um... lockdown, lockdown's been tricky. Oh, do you know what? I was going to ask you how you've, how you've coped with lockdown because it seems to have affected people differently. People have kind of enjoyed it, you know, being stuck yeah. at home. Some have, have hated it. Some have really struggled. Well, I've had a very difficult time because my marriage broke up in February. Then my father died. Oh. And, then I, and then I was in another relationship and that went tits up. All this happened in the last year. And then, and then last summer, my brother-in-law died as well. Oh, Dropped dead at fifty-nine. So my sister's been in bits. You know, the family have been in bits over my dad. And then they were freaked out when I, when my marriage broke up, and the woman I got involved with um, ended that that one with me. So it's, honestly, twenty twenty can kiss my ass. Yeah, Apart from the work, can just do one, can't it? Twenty twenty, it's yeah. just. It's just everything is just absolutely ridiculous. Even the last three months of 2019 weren't, weren't clever either. No. Kind of rolled over really into this year. I've put on a lot of weight as well. I was 14 stone uh, about six months ago. I'm fucking 17 stone now. So I've started I, doing the couch. I see you doing, you put, I see you doing on Facebook yeah. couch to 5K. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get any bigger. You know, you have to you have to worry about having heart attacks and stuff like that. At my yeah. age. But um, 
but yeah, I'm I'm all right really. You know, I just I just need to shift a couple of stone again, and then I'll be I'll be back to uh, you know back to where you want to be. Yeah, but it has been difficult, you know, um, and I think I've put on the weight because I've not been, you know, for the first month I was really good about going out for walks. Yeah, and then after that I was just like glued to the telly and. I was exactly you know, the same. I, I, first month, I was like, right, I'm going to get out here. I'm going to use my hour a day. I'm going to get yeah. out and get walking. And then it got to a couple of weeks down. I was like, you know what? I can't be asked with this. I just want to sit at home and watch telly. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. And it, it makes you lazy, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it made it worse with no football being on as well, which was kind of a, a kick. But you when know, it came back, Jesus Christ, it was like overkill. It was on virtually yeah. every single day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was on every day, near enough, every channel, even... BBC and ITV were chucking out games for free. Yeah, and that uh, that took my mind off my troubles for ages. Yeah, because West Ham were in the middle of the relegation battle. Um, they kept, they texted me this morning to renew my season ticket. I think I think I've got until the seventh of September. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just thinking, what's the point? Because I've still got two hundred quid from last season, and I'm thinking, what's the point in renewing? Yeah, Monday seventh of September is the deadline. And I'm thinking, what is the point in renewing it if I can't go to any of the games? Well, this is it. I mean, I'm, I'm a gooner, but my dad is, and all of his family are born in West Ham. Um, oh, wow. But, but he's a gooner, which is why I'm a gooner. But we've always had a soft spot for West Ham. And yeah, and I, and I just think with all these fans not going, one of my good friends, he's just been asked to renew his ticket for Arsenal at like 1,900 quid. And he's like, well, I can't go to any games. Why do I want to pay that money? I know, I know. It just, it I don't just, know. I don't know what I'm going to do. They've only given me till the seventh of September to do it, and um, you know, I don't. I don't know if I want to. I mean, if if we can guarantee that we're going to be back in October, yeah. like they seem to be suggesting, then maybe I will. But um, I don't know. I've also uh, written a film called Heavenly Waters, which is about an old rock band, and um, and we're hoping to shoot that next year. We're we're looking at some. Um, uh, some good actors, uh, people like David Bradley and Bill Nye and people oh. like that. Um, you know, and it's about this old band who, um, you know, come back to play one last time. But it all happens in Italy because the lead singer's wife dies and right. um, and he, he goes over to Italy to, uh, you know, to bury her and the others go with him and they discover that they've been famous in Italy all these years. Ah. So we we sort of took a bit from the uh, story of Rod- Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, so we're starting to um we're starting to look at casting for that now and nice. uh, yeah, my producer that, You know that that sounds like that sounds like a great a great premise for a film and it's I mean I'm a I'm a huge fan of 80s rock anyway. I love anything from the 1980s. Any Old style rock music like that, I I love absolutely love it. How old are you? Me, I'm 37. God, you look much younger than that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. You don't look 37, mate. No, I thought, no, I, I really am 37. No, I wish oh. wish I was still in my 20s. I do things differently. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I absolutely yeah. love everything about the 80s. I've got all like old vinyl of old 80s rock bands, T-Rex. I've got Journey, Boston, Chicago, Rainbow, Def Leppard. Well, T-Rex were more 70s, though, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, but 
I, I found him in the eighties, so I'm going to class him as eighties. Yeah, I think he, I think you'll find he might have died in the seventies. I can't really. He, he hit a tree, didn't he, Mark? Bowen? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I was a punk rocker, so I like all bands like the Clash, the Damned, um, you know, and all all that eighties oi scene, like um, yeah. you know, Crom Gen, who um, uh, were were um, a band from Stevenage. Who did really well? So well, Stevenage isn't that far from me. I actually live in Peterborough, so I don't live too far. Oh, do from, you? From Stevenage. My yeah. family, look, my family all live up there. You know. Yeah, I think um, I think he might have died in 1977, Mark Bell, when he hit a tree. Let's have a look. Um, just bear with me. I was sorry. I get I get a bee in my body, but no, yes, right. 16th of September 1977, he died. Blimey. Yeah, very sad. But um, his girlfriend was driving and they hit a tree. I reckon she fell asleep at the wheel or something. Probably. Um, but he was, he was fantastic, Mark Boland. Yeah, he was. Oh, absolutely. Just got one question that someone's asked me to ask you. is: Would you take on the role of Jay's dad again if there was like an in-between as plus 10 years, like one of their weddings or something? Yeah, of course I would. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. No. To be honest. I mean, Gavin and Stacey weren't going to happen and it come back, so, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, of course I would. You know, if if um, if if the gang got back together, I absolutely would. Yeah. But I suppose I suppose also I want to be known for doing other things as well. Yeah, you don't want to be pigeonholers just working on the in-betweeners, because... Yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily a bad thing, though, because like you say, it's a behemoth, and... You know, it's always on the telly. It's always on. Even yeah. the films are always are on all the time as well. So, so yeah, I, I think you, you may well end up still being Jay's dad from the in-betweeners. I know. Do you know, I've been so lucky to be in that and The Office. I mean, how lucky is that? I absolutely love The Office. What are your thoughts on The American Office? Have you seen I it? I like it. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I think he's great, Steve Carell. I, yeah. I think it's clever. I do like it. I do like it. I mean, it's... It's very different, and um, he's a bit. He's a bit. I was going to say he's a bit cooler than David Brent, but not really. Some yeah. of the things he does, like he's better at basketball and stuff like yeah. that. But you know, he's still a dick fundamentally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I love Steve Carell, so I'm. I'm a fan of that. I mean, it's different to the English Office, but I. Yeah. I still really like it. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. I really appreciate. It. I've, it's brilliant. I've learned so much, and. You've had me in stitches. Brilliant. Good. Have a good day, mate. I appreciate it. You Thank too, you. Mate. Lovely talking to you. Take care. Take care, David. See you, mate. Bye-bye.